here. And that lets you save the... Look here. True form life. Green look on Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia. All right, if you missed last show, check out show number 142. That was plant-based nutrition. I interviewed Sarah Scalza and she was fantastic. I love talking about plant-based nutrition and she goes over all kinds of things to help you nutritionize your body properly. One of my favorite parts is how she talks about nutrient-dense foods, which I'm a big fan of. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Today, we have a, another great interview for you. I have Brian Leaf on and he wrote Misadventures of a Parenting Yogi. Um, there's going to be a couple different links to check out this book. Check out exploringmindandbody.com forward slash a parenting yogi and then I'll put links to his last book that sounds very interesting in this book as well. I love this interview. I really did. I don't always get a chance to laugh and joke around and all oh, Brian is, you know, he's very engaging with what he has to say and, and he has a lighter kind of perspective that could share some tips to help you maybe parent a little better, just understand children a little better. So we got all that coming up. Uh... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As you heard about in the intro, we're talking about misadventures of a parenting yoga. We have Brian Leaf on the line here, and he's joined us for an interview, so I couldn't be more excited. I really enjoyed going through this book and hearing more about parenting. So, uh, Brian, I just want to welcome you on the show, and, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. It's nice to be on the show. Have you done a number of these interviews? I know you've been doing what you do for quite a while now. Uh, yeah, I have. I have. With the first book that came out almost two years ago, I did quite a few of them. I don't remember how many, but uh, all over the country and all over the, the states and Canada and a few, few times outside uh, outside Canada and the U.S. And then this time around, uh, the book just launched last week. So I think this is my maybe my fourth radio interview. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that we got on there, get, got in there so early. That's uh... yeah. <laughs> and as we were talking about before the before the show, I'm really excited to be in, in your region there because um, my wife Gwen, who's in the book. Um, she uh, she worked at Banff National Park and lived in Canmore for a while and lived in Calgary for a while. And uh, so we have a, a lot of good feelings for that place. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'm sure that there'll be people around the area. We have a good listening base. And then I have friends and family that listen to the show that live in Calgary. So I'm sure someone's going to run into it that knows who you and Gwen are. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, yeah. You have a, a fantastic bow here. Before I get into, we get into the book, I'd like to give our listeners a chance to resonate with you and, you know, and who you are. So maybe you could share, you know, some, a brief introduction about yourself and how you got into this um, yogi and all the other things that you're doing. Let's see. So um, I, I grew up in New Jersey, um, and I don't know uh, if out, out in Canmore and Calgary, people have an association with New Jersey or not. Do, do you? A little bit. I mean, we uh, we get news from around the world. We hear about sports teams, and it's. I think it's a little different. I also lived around the world, and let's say California, for example. You don't get too much other news besides California. So, right, right. Uh, I found it. Well, fine. New Jersey has sort of a reputation for being uh, being. Uh, it's a bit of a tight quarters. It's right near you know Manhattan, right near New York City. It's kind of fast paced, uh, not so easy going, and uh, pretty. I don't know, stressed out, kind of stressful place. Um, the part, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Jersey Shore or something like that on TV, but it's a little different than that, but still. <laughs> so I grew up pretty stressed out, and when I was 17, I came down with uh, ulcerative colitis. Um, I was actually the number one ranked debater in New Jersey 
So wow. I was just really stressed out in my head, you know, school, studies, and I came to know the ulcerative colitis, which is basically an ulcer in the colon. And then I went off to college at Georgetown University in D.C., and there uh, everybody thought I was going to become like a, you know, high-pressure corporate lawyer type, and just randomly, uh, or fate, I suppose, I just sort of stumbled upon yoga, and um, right off the bat, it just spoke to me. I mean, it's like when you meet someone and fall in love or something. It was like that first yoga class. I fell in love. I just, it was like I met, I came upon something that I was supposed to have always known, you know. And I really loved yoga. I got really into it. And over time, um, the yoga and changing my lifestyle, changing the way I ate, changing my, the way I handled stress and expressed my emotions, and particularly exercise and yoga, the colitis went away. Um, and instead of you know having it forever and going in and out of remission and using really serious medications and maybe even surgery, um, I just didn't have it anymore. And so that really hooked me on yoga and holistic health. When I graduated college, I traveled and I studied yoga, I studied Ayurveda, I studied uh, meditation and practiced and traveled around and to different places and uh, worked you know as, as I traveled, taught different things. Yeah, and so the first book, actually, the one that we're not talking about, <laughs> is Misadventures of a Garden State Yogi. And that tells the story of that whole process. It tells the story of finding yoga and, and how yoga cured the colitis. And then the second book, the one that we're talking about here today, the new book, um, is sort of the follow-up book after that. It's, it's the post-traveling, post-studying time when uh, now I have two kids and I'm super busy with little kids and how yoga fits in with all that. Something I wanted to ask you was, I, I do yoga myself and sometimes I do it alone, sometimes I join a class and I understand the health benefits of it, but I haven't really fallen in love with it. <laughs> and you know, a lot of times you talk to a yogi uh, teacher or someone that studies yoga often and that's what they say, that they just fell in love with it right away. So is there still hope for me? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know because I think that, um, I just, I, it's a really interesting question and a really interesting point because let's face it, I think that there are things for me and for you and for each of the listeners. There are things that we do that we just love. And there are things that we do because we know we should. And we each have a, a handful of each of those, you know. I, I really do love yoga. I look forward to it. I love meditating. I, I Meditating especially now. It used to be the postures. Now it's more the meditation. But I really, really love it. And then there are things I do that are really a struggle that I don't want to do every day. Um, you know, I don't know. Here's an example. Uh, it's a little different. But, like, every night I pretty much want to eat potato chips. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with potato chips. But I know that if I don't eat them, then I'll feel clearer and happier in the morning. I'll get up more easily. My meditation will be clear. But every night I want to really eat like half a bag of potato chips. <laughs> and it takes so much. So I mean, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the end of the world. But it takes so much discipline to try not to. Um, uh, that's a different example. But, you know, there are things, I don't know, maybe running. I used to run. I never enjoyed it. I did it because I knew it was good for me. So I'd say for yoga, for you, it might be, I don't know. I mean, this could always shift. Things constantly shift in our lives. But maybe yoga in your column, from what you're saying, maybe yoga is something that you know you should do, and it's great for you, and you do it, and that's wonderful. And then I'm sure there are other things that you just love and come easily to you that someone else might consider a struggle. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. Where do you stand on the potato chips? <laughs> I try to eat pretty clean, but uh, I'm just like everyone else. If they're in the house, I'll eat them. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love myself a bag of potato chips at times too. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? You know, a question I like to ask authors is, I, mean, I know this is kind of the second edition to your first book, but why did you decide to write about, you know, a parenting yogi? You know, where did that come from and why did you want to share this story with others? Um, yeah, I guess after I finished the first book, um, it was just the natural evolution to write this, this next. I, I guess um, I write it for two reasons, really, I guess, if I think about it. One is it, it really just does feel like an urge that comes out of me. I, I'm, I'm, professionally speaking, I'm happiest when I'm writing. I just love the writing. It's like when I'm writing, I just, I'm in my dharma. I'm just in my zone. I just enjoy it. And I think that's worth listening to. And again, that's going to be different for everybody. Most people don't like writing. It's not, it's not that writing is good or bad or right or wrong. It's just right for me. You know, somebody else loves, uh, I don't know, gardening or building a fence or doing accounting or being a stockbroker. It could be, or, you know, designing buildings. It could be anything. But when we find something we love and, and we do it, I just think we're serving the world. Like I just, I think that we're just in alignment. So that's one reason. And I do that without any thought of how it's going to do or where it's going to be or how it'll be received or if it'll make money. I just, you know, I just love doing it. So you do what you love and you let it go and then whatever happens, happens with it? Well, yeah. I, while I'm writing, that's true. Afterwards, like anybody, I get pretty neurotic and, you know, <laughs> check my Amazon ranking and want it to do well and want to feed my family and all that. But during, during, I'm very pure. <laughs> Uh, afterwards, it can get all wrapped up in money and things. And then the second reason I write it, and I would say this is secondary, actually, but the second reason I write it is because I am excited about sharing my beliefs on things. You know, um, you know, when we're passionate about something, be it yoga or natural health or health food or whatever we want to share it. And I feel really grateful. I live in a really progressive town called Northampton in western Massachusetts, Um it's probably a little bit like Canmore, you know, one of those progressive towns. Um, and, uh, and, and I've just been exposed to a lot of really excellent progressive parenting ideas. And so I just feel like if I'd lived in certain places that didn't have that exposure, I might not have seen that stuff. And so another reason I wrote the book was to share those, those ideas with people who might not live somewhere where they're organically exposed to it. All right, Brian, we do have to take a short commercial break, but I'm looking forward to carrying on. So stay right there, listeners. We'll be right back with Brian Leaf and Misadventures of a Parenting Yogi. After we lost mom, I was worried about dad living alone in that big house, but I couldn't imagine him being happy anywhere else. But then Jenny, our comfort keeper, helped to make things right. Across the country or across town, comfort keepers like Jenny provide in-home care for just a few hours a week or on an extended basis. Serving Red Deer in central Alberta, 347-3730 or reddeer.comfortkeepers.ca. All right, welcome back to Exploring Mind and Body. Today we're talking to Brian Lee, and he's author of Misadventures of a Parenting Yogi. If you're checking this out on podcasts or iTunes, this is going to be A Parenting Yogi. And uh, I just want to get into this this book a little bit more. We talked about Brian earlier in the show and how he came to writing this book. I liked how you talked about the Dalai Lama. I think a lot of people that are involved with yogi or spiritual know about him, has read some of his works. And, and uh, I like how you brought it up and you said, that you know, if he was going through a difficult day, he'd be able to forgive himself and move on. And I think it's difficult for us to move on in this day and age and we hold on to anger and stress and fear. How would you suggest as a parent we could move forward and, and let go of whatever happened you know, with our children or whatever stresses that go on throughout the day? It's a good question. I mean, number one would be setting the intention to do that, just bringing it into our awareness as a possibility. I think that sets the stage for it, really. You know, even in the morning, 
you could just set that intention for yourself. Um, one could set that intention for oneself that they're going to do it all day. And that sort of plants the seed that it could come up later. But really, I think like, like so many things, I really think it's a practice. It's sort of what we're training ourselves to do when we sit and meditate or do any kind of conscious uh, you know, practice or mindful practice of any kind. I think we're setting that intention. It's really, it's like building the muscle of, um, you know, it's like in, in bench pressing, you build your, your pecs or whatever. Um, and I would say in meditating, you build your awareness of this uh, and you could particularly build your awareness uh, of being able to forgive yourself, of coming back and being present and not just ruminating on something, but just moving on and starting fresh. So I think it's a practice and, and just the more one does it, the easier it'll get, the, the, the better one will get at doing it. It's like strengthening that muscle. When I think about it, it's exciting to me because, you know, it's great to teach our kids um, skills, and that's wonderful. But here's something we can model for them that we can, how wonderful would it be to really teach our kids to be present and to forgive themselves when things don't go right and to start fresh and to not ruminate and not beat themselves up? If we can model doing it ourselves, then I think that they'll probably start doing it too. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You said we already know, we already know how to take, uh, care for our kids. And, uh, and I love how you said that because a lot of times, you know, we know what the right thing is, but we just, we're so quick to conform to society and doing what everyone else is doing when in fact we're fighting our own intuition or what we want to do instead. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Definitely. I mean, I think that's probably true for so many things. We live in a time uh, a wonderful time when there's scientific studies and there's knowledge and, you know, we have so much information at our fingertips and it's wonderful. But many times it does actually obscure and kind of remove us from our deep, you know, feelings, our true knowing, our gut, our intuition, our instinct. And that stuff is so powerful. I mean, even hear about people like Stock, you know, Warren Buffett, um, you know, famous investment folks actually basing much of what they do on their instinct or intuition. A lot of times very successful people will describe that. So I think whether it's in business or in, you know, all kinds of things, uh, medicine, going by intuition and instinct can be incredibly powerful and nowhere more so than in parenting because, you know, every animal really knows how to care for their young intuitively. They really just do little owls. You know, when, when an owl is born, mom and dad owl know just what to do. I've been reading a book about this to my kids, uh, you know, a little kid's book, and they, they know just how to hatch the egg and how to take care of the egg and then what to feed the babies when they come. And we do too, you know, we don't really need super nanny on TV um, to know. And I think the more we can tune into our instinct and our gut feelings and really our heart, especially with parenting, the more we can just come from that place of love, I think we'll know just what to do. We do have to take one more break and we're going to keep moving on. I got a couple of good questions. So stay right there on Exploring Mind and Body. Right back with Brian Leaf with a Parenting Yogi. This segment brought to you by Complete Truth Protein Powder. Live free, live true with whole natural foods. No additives, no preservatives, and soy, gluten, and dairy free. Supplement with superfood to energize your day. Visit completetruthprotein.co for more. All right, welcome back to Exploring Mind and Body. Today we're interviewing Brian Leaf and we're talking about uh, yoga parenting. 
Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you about was, you, you said you learn things from your children, and I think that's incredible to say openly and out loud. I actually have the pleasure of running fitness classes with at a daycare, and I never come home without a lesson or without a story to share with others. And I think we can learn so much from children if we just paid attention and, and listened to them. And I think at times we're too busy telling them what to do. <laughs> um, can you talk about how you learn from your children and maybe what we could learn as well? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that, um, I mean, uh, there's a lot of different things I could say there. One is that there was a, a section in the book, a bit of a controversial section where I talk about how yoga classes for little kids, like really little kids, I think they can be fun. I'm not against them or anything. I think they could be really cute, definitely cute and definitely fun. But funny enough, I don't really think that the little kids need yoga. I think we really need the yoga. And when I think about it, we really do yoga, among other things, to be more like the little kids. You know, anytime I teach a yoga class to really little kids, I find myself getting frustrated that they're so kind of rambunctious or wild or won't listen. And then it makes me realize that I'm trying to make them, you know, kind of like uh, neurotic and obsessive like me. <laughs> and I'd be really happy if they were, but that's not what I want, right? So it makes me realize, I mean, the reason I do yoga is to free myself up, to get myself in touch with intuition, to get myself um, in touch with my heart, to open my heart, to uh, be more flexible in my body, to be more open in my mind to see more clearly to see what's really in front of me and not just my preconceived ideas about what I'm looking at in the world. And if you think about it, all of those things are what kids do. Now, it's not like kids are fully evolved. They have to be educated and they have to learn and grow and become adults. But the things that I seek from yoga are really what the little kids are doing already. So in many ways, I do yoga to become more like a little kid. Along those same lines as, you know, learning from children and maybe understanding them a little bit more or how we could be like them. You go over a subject, how you talk to children. I think we're quick to reprimand them instead of listening to them. So you talk about how just to change your words a little bit to, I think a, a couple of notes I made here, how you always do this or how you never do that instead of. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a book, a really terrific book. Many of the chapters in the book. Um, deal with a particular parenting philosophy or approach. And one of them is, is uh, about this movement or this book called How to, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. And uh, in that, there's this methodology of how to speak to kids, and it's really genius. It's like, let's say a kid comes to a parent and says, um, oh, you know, my toy is gone. Somebody stole it. But oftentimes the parent will say, well, you left it out, you know. And um, instead, this person says, to say the child comes to you, they're upset about something, and you just sort of nod and say, mm, mm-hmm, and you really let them talk, and you just invalidate them, mm, mm-hmm, you just show you're listening. And then at some point when they pause, you just say back to them what they said, kind of as a question, like, like uh, oh, the toy is gone? Um, and they say, oh, yeah, the toy is gone. And it really allows them to process through their feelings in a connected way. And I don't, all I can tell you is, if there are any parents out there listening, you can check out the book. You can Google it. It's how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Or you can just try what I just told you, that little formula. And it's unbelievable. I mean, it really it diffuses tantrums in a really healthy way. It just really allows kids to feel heard and connected. It's amazing. I try to use it on my wife, actually. A lot of <laughs> how does that work out for you? I do. <laughs> does it work? <laughs> it does. It does, except when she catches on and then I get in trouble. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I'll link that book to the show notes. That's going to be exploringmindandbody.com forward slash a parenting yogi. So you can check that out there. Uh, Brian, our time is up, unfortunately, but I, I just want to give you a chance to share a message with our parents or listeners out there and then let us know how we can get a hold of you. Let's see. Final message. Um, I would say uh, try to parent as much as possible from the heart, from, from instinct, from the gut. And anytime things didn't go right, as much as possible, try to forgive yourself and just move on and get present again and do it all over again. Start from the pre- you know the heart and the gut. I know you have a website and you have a Twitter account. Uh, we, I can link those as well. What, where can we reach you if we're looking for more information on you? Yeah, so the book should be available anywhere books are sold. Um, people can check me out at the website, which is uh, www.misadventuresofayogi.com. So it's misadventuresofayogi.com. Brian, thank you so much. That was an absolute pleasure. I enjoyed that interview. Thanks for coming on and all the best. This is kind of exciting for me to be one of the first to get you on air. But uh, yeah, so thanks for your time and and, uh, I hope it goes well. All the best to you and your yogi adventures. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day too. And thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Exploring mind and body with True Form's Drew Tadia would not be possible without the help from the following sponsors. AG Foods in Didsbury, Health Street in the Cornerstone Shopping Center Olds, and Shoppers Drug Mart, working together to help build a healthier tomorrow. For more information on True Form Life, Drew Tadia, or to find out how you can become a sponsor, visit exploringmindandbody.com. that'll wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Just a personal thank you to Brian Leaf. That was absolutely fabulous. I hope you guys enjoyed that out there. I really enjoyed this interview. It was actually a lot of fun. Um, Check out exploringmindandbody.com forward slash a parenting yogi. I'm going to list all the links so you can check out his book. You can check out his past book and then some of the links that he talked about in the interview. I can't thank you enough for tuning in. Thank you so much for your time and for your comments and for your downloads. We're up over 600 downloads a month now, which is big news for me starting out from not on iTunes at all. <laughs> but So thank you so much for, for you um, being a part of the show. Thanks to Jameson Brown for everything he does, his edits and more. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com. Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia would not be possible without the help of GDK Gravel and Sand. GDK Gravel and Sand, now offering all products in half and one yard bags. Give them a call today for more information. 1-877-335-2091.